but we're pretty much we are the Kathy Lee and Hoda of pencils. Yeah, I think I never thought about that. Which one of us has to be Kathy Lee, though? Because I would way rather be Hoda. I would way rather be Hoda, but I think I have to be Kathy Lee because I'm older. (laughs) Okay. Oh, man. Sorry. Hello, and welcome to episode 73. I'm your host, Andy Welfley, editor of woodclinch.com, and I've been in a limerick writing mood lately, so here it goes. Tonight's show is filled to the brim with guests who will make your head spin. We have Caitlin and Caroline talking books and pencil design, and of course we have Johnny and Tim. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey. <laughs> How's it going? I feel like I had to get. Uh, I feel like it was wait, wait, don't tell me. I needed to guess the last word. So. <laughs> and of course we have out. Johnny and. <laughs> Did you hear that? Tim, Castle... it's me. It's me. <laughs> Carl Castle had a had a fall. Did you hear that? No, I did not hear that. He uh, Peter Seigel posted a um, like the address of his rehab center on Twitter that everybody should send him cards. So if anybody here listens to Wait Wait, don't tell me. Send Carl Castle a card. I'm doing that tomorrow. Heck yeah. I don't know who that is. Do you listen to Wait Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR? Mm, no. With Carl Castle. <laughs> With Carl Castle. Carl Castle's like really old. All right. <laughs> so um, we're here today. Um, Caitlin and Caroline are back, two of our favorite people. Um, Caroline's going to talk a little bit about her new book, and uh, we're going to chat with both of them about um, about the shop and what's new. There's some new products they've been released uh, releasing. So yeah, let's uh, let's get into the tools of the trade. Um, Caitlin, do you want to start off with what you have been consuming lately and writing with and on? Hello. Um, are we still doing this where we talk about like everything we're consuming? You don't have to do everything if you don't want, but we're everything just talking you've about read, eaten, or watched since the last time that we've talked. <laughs> got you. I hope you've been you. keeping a very detailed list. I do. I write it all down just for for in case in just case in we're case. on this. Good. <laughs> um, I binge watched all of Rick and Morty season one and season two on Hulu like over Easter weekend. And I finally get all the pencil vester jokes. Um, I mean, there's like the one joke, but there's a little character that's a pencil. His name is Pencil Vester. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. The end. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, that's what I've been consuming. I haven't really been reading any books lately. I've been too distracted. Um, I'm currently writing with uh, a neon pink zebra graphic because it's been a long time since I've used a Caran d'Ache pencil. Although, what I would really like to tell you all is I'm writing with chalk and mud. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I've been using, I've been trying to use up pencils in my stash. So I've been going through kind of like brand by brand, picking one out that I haven't used like maybe ever. And so right now it's a graphic. It was a bugle, but I gave it away to a guy at a bar. Just kind of a funny story, but... <laughs> maybe maybe for after dark (laughs) Um, and i'm writing on um my second baron fig uh vanguard and flagship of the year which is currently covered in donut and fruit stickers (laughs) i was hoping you were going to say like donut like crumbs or frosting or something (laughs) (laughs) no i would those off 
<laughs> no, no donut wasted here. <laughs> Carolyn, how about you? Um, so I've been consuming a lot of things, mostly television show that um, I can't stop talking about. It's called Riverdale, and it's on the CW. Um, <laughs> it's not the most highbrow show I've watched, but I feel like it appeals to a lot of demographics because the characters in the show are the, the characters from the Archie comics. So you have, like, Betty and Veronica and Jughead and Archie and Miss Grundy, like, all of them. Is this but live it action? Takes pla- it's, no, it's like a drama. It takes but place. But it is live action. Oh, live action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's like a it's like a real it's like a real people show, and it takes place in 2017 too. But it has like a similar storyline to Twin Peaks. So like the first <laughs> episode starts out where like Cheryl Blossom's brother is murdered. Um, but it has like kind of Gossip Girl vibes too. It's like real. <laughs> it's really it's really juicy and very scandalous, and I love it. Um, it's been like ep- nine episodes, I think. It's on on Thursday nights. Um, yeah, nine o'clock. What does Jughead look like? Jughead is played by Cole Sprouse. Remember, he was he's one of those like blonde twins who used to be on the Disney Channel. Um, and instead of wearing like an actual crown, he wears like a gray beanie that's knit, so like the edges are pointy, so it kind of looks like a crown. Um, uh... And he narrates the whole thing. Um, yeah, and he's dating Betty. It's really good. What? Everybody should watch it. Is that the guy from Big Daddy? Or am I thinking of a different twin? Because I was a twin, too. I have no idea. Is it played uh, Ben on Friends? No. Okay. Yeah, that was the kid from No, this... Wait, oh, I don't know. Actually, maybe. Yes, that might be the same kid. Um... It was Big Daddy. I don't... Yeah, there he is. Yeah. Hmm. I have no idea. Yeah, that I think that's the same kid. Yeah, blonde twins. They're like in their early twenties now. Um, yeah, so yeah, one of one of them is Jughead. It's an excellent show. I highly recommend it if anyone's looking for something new. Um, it's very surprising and very strange. Um, as a as a really big Archie comics fan and a really big Twin Peaks fan, I'm very um, happy about it. But wow. Um, yeah. Um, and I should probably share what Caitlin and I are both drinking because we are drinking. Brad Pitt Rosé, <laughs> um, which is from Brad Pitt's um, vineyard in France. Um, we are drinking it because there's, well, because it's pink. It's a color called Millennial Pink, which is, which has been like a very hot topic in the Pencil HQ lately because we call this color Eraser Pink and we're, we're a little annoyed that now it's being like millennial pink now it's become like branded as millennial pink or metamorphosis like like mauvey pink pink. like dusty pink yeah Yeah. but there's a great article about millennial pink on the was it on the indirect magazine yeah yeah i posted it about it on one of our blogs um but it's like the color of the moment for millennials and who are i guess we're too millennial to help ourselves did you apparently i mean did but, you see that uh, Baron Fig posted about it for, for their metamorphosis confidant? Yeah, but I would like to say that I'm pretty sure I had a conversation with Adam about this, so I'm going to go ahead and take credit for that one. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, that might be true, though. But we have to give credit to... I had a really hilarious conversation with a customer as we were closing today. Um, 
Joe from God, I can't remember what the name of the city is. It's the mushroom capital of Delaware, though. He informed me. <laughs> he told us that we needed to be like Kathy and Hoda and drink with really big wine glasses and drink Miraval Rosé. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's what we're doing. Except but, for their mugs, not wine glasses. Yeah, but you we get don't the, have wine glasses. But we're pretty much... We are the Kathy Lee and Hoda of pencils. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought about that. Kathy Lee and Which Hoda. one of us has to be Kathy Lee, though? Because I would way rather be Hoda. I would way rather be Hoda, but I think I have to be Kathy Lee because I'm older. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so I'm, what am I writing with? I, I've been writing with a very old, probably like 1940s Venus Velvet that's been floating around the office for a really long time. It's really beat up and it has a really great gold pencil clip on it though. Um, that's a sample for one that we're actually stocking very soon. Um, but it's, it's a, it's in pretty rough shape, but I'm determined to finish it. So I've been writing with that. Um, and in my, in my household there, somehow ended up there's I have this pretty little jar in my bathroom that holds all of my hair ties and there's been a like a very freshly sharpened black wing in there for weeks I don't know how it got there I think I think fed put it there I'm not sure but I I've been using that pencil a lot at home just because I always happen to be like passing by it when I need a pencil to like make a grocery list or or do whatever I'm calling it the the bathroom blackwing and I kind of like that it's there. I guess it's important to have a pencil in every room. Um that's amazing. Yeah, I don't know, but the bathroom blackwing, that's my jam right now. <laughs> um <laughs> the <potty wing. laughs> I don't know how to follow that up. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Um Tim, how about you? I have been reading a Cubs book. Uh, <laughs> Shocking! It's not going to be yeah. It's not going to be terribly interesting to a lot of people, but it's written by Tom Verdici, who writes who's uh, on MLB Network and ESPN. But it's called The Cubs Way. He's been working on it for a while, and it's actually amazingly well written. It's just telling the story of the last like five years of the Cubs about how they turned it from the like worst organization in baseball to obviously the best. Um, so reading that and really enjoying this, and I had been it had been a while since I had read any Neil Gaiman and I was looking for something to listen to and so I've actually been listening to Trigger Warnings which was his short story collection it's it's like weird it's got some non-fiction sort of stuff and short stories and combined all together and because he can do whatever he wants because he's Neil Gaiman um I seriously feel like he could publish anything and and just throw it all together and just say and just like he does in the introduction for this book, he says, hey, I know that short story collections are supposed to fit together really neatly and have a common theme, but this one doesn't. <laughs> he just tells you, and then you read it, and you're like, yeah, it's okay, Neil Gaiman. Thanks. I still <laughs> love it. Um, so I've been reading that. There's a great story called The Truth is a Cave in the Black Mountains that I'm, I really, really dug. Um, and I've been grading research papers by my students, which has been very discouraging. And so, <laughs> so, so I decided, like, as I was grading all these, because I just have a ton of them, I needed something to watch in the background, and it prompted me to start Seinfeld from the beginning again. And so I started Seinfeld from season one, episode one, and I've been working my way through that, like, while I'm grading, and then also, like, at home even in the evenings, and that's been really, really, really enjoyable. I hadn't... Uh, probably seen an episode of Seinfeld in four or five years or something like that. So that's been, that's been fun. And also SNL because SNL is good again. Yeah. I can't even imagine going through Seinfeld serially because I've watched them, I guess, mostly in syndication for the last 
what like two decades or whatever so oh me too like yeah. every day at five thirty on fox in chicago I... <laughs> simpsons seinfeld home improvement simpsons like every single day of my life yeah which it, it is weird to watch it like in order and see the progression of it because i'm i'm into season two and it's it definitely the first season i forgot was only like six episodes long yeah. It was just a real short kind of trial thing. And then it, of course, took off from there. So, yeah, and I've just been enjoying Seinfeld. The last episode of Seinfeld was, or I mean, sorry, Saturday Night Live uh, with Jimmy Fallon was pretty fantastic. So I had a, we had a lot of fun watching that. And, and it made me go into the archives and look at all these skits that I had missed over the years. And I had somehow missed, this is the best thing that's happened to me all week, but the, the Close Encounters sketch from like two years ago. Have you seen this? With Ryan Gosling. No. And the premise is it's a uh, Ryan Gosling, Cecily Strong, and uh oh gosh, what's her name? She played Hillary Clinton. Kate McKinnon. So Kate oh, McKinnon. Kate McKinnon, yeah, okay. So Kate McKinnon. It's just <laughs> three of them. They're these three friends from a small town and they all get abducted by aliens. And the the sketch is the FBI interviewing <clears throat> all three of them about their experience. <laughs> And uh, Cecily Strong and Ryan Gosling had these beautiful transcendent experiences where they like saw God and they like were treated amazingly. <laughs> and then Kate McKinnon <laughs> had like a totally different experience where she she's like, "Well, I don't know what floor you guys were oh, on." Oh yeah, hers was just this like really crude and like ridiculous situation where they were like making I've her seen those sketches. like sit in this like rusty dome and oh gosh but I, i've watched it like three times in the last couple of days and it was really fantastic um, <laughs> that's one of the ones where they break character and they start laughing at each other too yeah uh-huh. and, yeah, yeah and ryan gosling can't keep a straight face and I, I read an interview where uh mikey day was talking about writing it and like what what was it about it that made everybody break character and he said that kate mckinnon would just keep pushing it further and further until she got everybody to break. And so she got her, she got a uh, um, everybody except for eighty. And then she, he said that she, she just kept spreading her legs further and further until eighty broke. <laughs> <laughs> so if you watch it, her legs just spread further and further until finally eighty can't take it anymore, and she starts laughing. Which is, so that was fantastic. So that 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 made a, a rough day yesterday much much better. Um, I am writing with a, I don't know what else to call it, but a brilliant wing, because that's what I called it. It was Andy's idea, but it was the, it's a black wing with the uh, 530 ferrule with the black stripe mm. uh, put onto it. So it's my, I think it's my new favorite hack wing after the I, the HB wing. I was thinking maybe the old wing because it looks like the old, wing old is good, style yeah. of, of the original black mm-hmm. wing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Exactly. That's what I just, yeah, old wing great but i love it it looks fantastic i have a pink eraser in it and everything so i'm writing with that in a uh, shinola notebook that a friend brought me from detroit hmm. that's me cool how about you johnny so we were on spring break last week so i've been watching a lot of tv um have you guys seen harlots on hulu yet Mm-mm. it's nope. a show about rival brothels <laughs> in uh what is it like the mid 18th century in london that's, all. That's it's, too close to too close to real life. I don't think I could handle that. Yeah. So. It's like being in Baltimore. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's not as filthy as the, you would be led to believe. It's pretty funny. Um, plus, the lady that played um, Sybil on Downton Abbey is like top prostitute. So that's pretty funny. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> She's great. Is it is it meant to be like 
a drama or is it a comedy? Um, somewhere or in between. Both. Sort of like dark comedy. At least I think it's funny. Maybe it's not supposed to be funny and I have a bad sense of humor. That could be it. <laughs> um, and also, have you guys seen the show Taboo with Tom Hardy? Um, it was on FX last Mm-mm. couple months. Oh, it's like the best show. Does he have a face tattoo? Yes. Yeah. And like weird I've scars. It. Oh, it was so good. It's really, really violent, really dark. So perfect. Yeah. And on the lighter side, I finally read Water for Elephants, which was a net famous NaNoWriMo book, NaNoWriMo, and the movie, which sucked really bad. <laughs> and I just finished a little book about pencils. It was pink. I forgot who wrote it. <laughs> no, some it hack. It doesn't matter. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it. I should figure out who wrote it. But um, so I'm writing with a new bugle on a Field Notes utility book that Aaron effing Draplin handed me in person in Baltimore two weeks ago. That's awesome. I thought well, it was Ben Lima's James. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. What? I, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's what I couldn't say. No. Um. Yeah. So I had a, one of our notebooks left. So I got to talk with Mr. Draplin and I gave it to him. So then he was like, "Here, I give you a notebook," and he gave me a set of utilities. I'm like, oh, he's always really signed notebooks. He's all he's always really good about trading. I when I when he came to Fort Wayne, and I saw him, I gave him a bunch of pencils, and he gave me, um, just like, I think he gave me a pack of Drink Local and a pack of America the Beautiful from his shop. Awesome. Which back then was like not as rare as they are now, but yeah. So I mentioned to him that we were always afraid to ask if he would be on the podcast, and he said the answer is yes. So yes. Stay tuned. <laughs> be so awesome. Get ready for my typewriter, Bill. <laughs> yeah. We should just like let loose on that episode. I would be so happy. <laughs> just put an explicit tag on it. Yeah. <sighs> Would we have to put an explicit tag on our whole podcast if we did that? <laughs> I probably. We could just host it on. Uh, I have like some deluxe hosting package for my website. We could just put it on there. <laughs> like, like put the URL to shift onto there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, how about you? I am, uh, I'm reading, um, The Handmaid's Tale, um, because I'm getting ready for the, the Hulu miniseries. Um, I'm kind of excited about it. And I, I feel like, I thought that I read it back a long time ago, but apparently I didn't because I'm reading it and it's brand new to me. So Mm -hmm. it's really good. It, uh, the Alexis Bledel is going to be in the, yeah, the Hulu, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Rory. I don't know. Is she going (laughs) to, is she the main character? I don't know. I'm not sure. No, the lady that played Peggy on um, Mad Men is on it. Oh, okay. Elizabeth. I think you say Peggy with from Married with Children. No, I would watch that all the time. Or, or Peggy from uh, from King of the Hill, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the handmaid is uh, Elizabeth Moss. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, um, so I'm reading that. It. <laughs> I just can't stop thinking about our uh, current vice president while I'm reading it. But I won't, <laughs> I won't get into anything more than that. I, I'm allowed to say that because I'm from Indiana. Do you see the uh, Onion article about how he went to breakfast with his wife and then she went to the bathroom and he felt uncomfortable because Mrs. Butterworth was too close to him? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I'll, I'll text it to you later. It's uh, okay, so uh, I'll leave that there. Um, and I am writing with a... Um, a Karan Dash and CW Pencil collaboration pencil, the editor, um, in my in my byline, in my field notes byline. 
So I just had this sitting here. I was uh, writing limericks with this earlier. I was writing like a line in graphite, and then I was like adding other rhyming words or alternate lines or whatever um, with the red side. So I think I think I like the red side better than the the graphite side, but yeah, we're gonna talk more about that later. So cool. Um, we should get into fresh points. Um, we have, man, we have a lot of fresh points and then we have a lot of interviews. <laughs> so much has come out recently. So much. And I guess we've been, we, the, the three guys here in the podcast, haven't recorded for probably almost a month. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later. So, um, Caitlin, do you want to start us off with fresh points? I mean, I really don't because <laughs> I honestly didn't come prepared with anything very good. Um, this isn't a very good podcast, than... so you're fine. This is a great podcast. It's the best. We're not professional like some other it's podcasts the best that you've because been on. of all the preparation. Yeah, your presence is enough. It's fine. Exactly. The only thing that Carol and I brainstormed t- together this afternoon is that today is my my two year anniversary. Yay! Of walking into her life. Yep. Yeah, well, we technically awesome. met seven days ago. Today is your first day of like actually working here. It was a Saturday two years ago. Do you want to hear a story about my first day? Yes. Yes. That you were late? I was... The, okay. So yeah, we'll start with that. Great. Great. That was the only day Caitlin's ever been late was her first day. I'm an incredibly punctual person. Yeah. Let me just say. Let me just say. Starting off strong. And I don't think I have been... Okay, it's been two years. So I've been late, like, maybe twice. Mm-hmm. But the very first time I was late was my very first day. And it was because I was still pretty new to New York and couldn't figure out the transfer between the path from New Jersey and the subway to New York. And it got all turned around and confused. And I was late on my very first day. And then I was never late again. Yeah, I didn't notice. So I didn't notice until you said something about it. I think I was like five minutes late. It was like not very late, but I am very punctual. Yeah. But on my, my very first day, it was very, very warm. And we had the door propped open, but the AC was not on. And um, Alton Brown was a, a customer on my very first day. What? Yeah. Yeah. And he, he came in with a woman who was very disgruntled that it was so warm in the shop. Um, so it wasn't like the stellar, like, oh, my God, hey, Elton Brown, what's up? It was a little uncomfortable. Yeah. I accidentally dropped his sharpener on the floor, too. <laughs> it was really it was really awkward. He hasn't been back since. No. That was the first time we had, like, a famous person that we recognized in the shop. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, it man. was the first time I went turned to you and was like, "Do you know who that was?" Yeah, it was really we were really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> we were horrible. <laughs> We've come a long way. We're really good with the celebs these days. Yeah, man. Yeah. Who who like who's your latest celeb been? Right? Can you say? Yeah. Um, are we allowed to talk about these things? I don't, I don't know. Well, uh, yeah, we can. Yeah. Uh, no one here knows any A list celebrities, do you? I don't know. Who knows? Well. But, I don't like. We want them to come back, so yeah. nobody listens I to mean, this. There's an yeah. Oscar-winning actor who's a regular. Yeah, Ooh. our most our most regular celebrity customer is a very regular celebrity customer, and it is not who you would expect. Hmm. I feel like we have to. Bill Clinton. We can we can type it in the we could type it in. Well, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we could say the most recent one. 
because neither you or I have seen him. But he's regular, too. Oh, yeah. Our most recent one is Michael Stipe. Yeah. Ah! He's lovely. Cool. And he's apparently. been in before, but none of us recognize him because he has a beard now, like a weird yeah. beard that none of us knew. And he's like 70, um, right? Uh, he's, he's getting up there. Older. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, anyway. We, <laughs> uh, should we write it in here? I don't know. Do you have other people down there with you in the uh, pencil caves? Just us two. Yeah. Okay. I thought We're I heard I thought I heard somebody else and I was like, is it Alex? You should get her on. Tell her to come. We're just speaking in tongues. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, any anything else, Caitlin? Nope. All right, Caroline, any fresh points? Um, yes. Uh so this weekend I went to Chicago um to visit my brother who just moved there. Um it was kind of a last minute trip. Um I went, I just booked it like a couple weeks ago um, and only realized when, after I booked my trip that my team, the Pirates, were playing the Cubs this weekend in Chicago. Yeah. Um, mm. So it was perfect timing. Um, but yeah. it was a very eventful weekend. I will say that when we when my sister went with me because she lives here in New York as well. And we arrived and went straight from the airport to a stationery store called Greer. Um, that's in, it's an old town, like on like the Lincoln park end. Um, and it's, it's a really beautiful shop. It's owned by Chandra, Chandra. I don't know how she pronounces her name. Um, yeah, then they, I bought so much stuff. They have so many lovely paper things there and lots of great cards. Um, I bought these postcards that have illustrations of tiny post offices on them. Um, I'm a little obsessed with those, but it was fun. It was nice to like start out my trip with some stationery. She gave me this really old Lyra typewriter eraser. That's this really great kind of like Smurf blue. Um, (laughs) It's really, really cool. I've never seen it before. Um, And then we, that night, the Evan and Annie, my siblings and my brother's roommate and I had dinner at Alinea. Um, And I don't know if anybody watches Chef's Table on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, Alinea is in episode one of season two of Chef's Table. And it's it's a restaurant that from the minute Evan decided to move to Chicago, we were like, okay, we're going to find a way to go to this restaurant. And two days before I left, I happened to look it up on their ticketing website. And I guess there must have been some sort of cancellation because it's like pretty hard to get reservations at this place. And they had a table. So we um, went there and they don't give you a menu when you get there. It's like a set thing. It's like 16 courses or something. And on the table, they have a word search, um, (laughs) that functions as a menu. And so first thing I did was, was of course, whip out my pencil because I had one in my bag. Um, and it? it was a very, very small mono 100 F with a cap on it. And so it was one of those longer caps. So it kind of like functioned as an extender, (laughs) And before we even were like, we had time for them to explain to us what the word search was, one of the guys came over and was like very excited that I had a pencil like ready to go and explained to us how it worked. And so we, we passed it around the table the entire dinner trying to like get ahead of ourselves to like figure out clues as to what we were eating next. But they were all like descriptive words. They weren't like food words. Um, they were especially impressed when I figured out the word nostalgia long before like they had a they had a chance to give me clues about it. Because, well, that's a big word in my vocabulary here. Um, but that was a really amazing experience. It was like definitely the most fun I've ever had at a restaurant in my entire life. Um, 
And I did get to keep the word search. We did complete it too. We found every single word and some hidden words that weren't part of the menu and some that the guy who made the word search didn't even know were in there. What? So I think I think we won at the word search. But there were <laughs> there were four other tables in the room and nobody else did the word search. I was really confused by that. Um, yeah, but anyway, so that happened. And then the day after, we went to see the Pirates play the Cubs, which, by the way, sorry, Tim. Um <laughs> I'm sorry that all three of those games were pretty sad. Well, for you, not for me. Um, oh, I didn't but... hear about them. I didn't know that happened. Just... Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> um, but I will tell you, though, I, we I didn't went watch to all Field... 27 innings or whatever of those. But, uh, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I didn't see any of it. Um, but we, we went to Wrigley Field, and all three of us were in our, like, Pirates gear. I was wearing my 1979 throwback jersey with – Kent to coffee's name on the back and <laughs> nice. um there were probably like 200 pirates fans in the whole field like n- there were none of us it was so weird to be in a place where like uh, the game that we went to the pirates hit four home runs and it was so weird because we knew the pirates hit a home run when it was silent hmm. it was very it was a very strange experience um there's so many cubs fans but one thing right, that well, I was it's been very a good episode. Im- it's good talking to you guys. Hmm? Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Bye, Tim. Um, we can argue about this later. Um, I have a lot of opinions to express to you. Oh, sorry. Um, sorry. But the one thing I was very impressed by was that when you buy a scorecard at Wrigley Field, um, they have real pencils, like full-size pencils with erasers that don't suck. They do. Um, they're really nice. They're pre-sharpened. They're white. They have like the little Cubs logo on them and blue, like all the way down the whole pencil. And the erasers the... are pretty decent. I was really impressed. Is it the one that's the Chicago's like Chicago Cubs is in script along the side? No, it's like it's just like the little logo repeated in blue, like up oh, the pencil, and it's I got white. A I got a different one last year. I'll have to send you. Oh, the, the maybe they ones. redo them every year. I don't know. I don't think they make enough money to make that many pencils. Maybe not. Every maybe year. when they run out, they do a new one every like ten years. Yeah. <laughs> but really, though, um, what? Well, yeah. How many people actually score baseball these days, anyway? But um, we we took. I want to know once why I didn't get one. I have one for you. Oh, you do. Yeah. <laughs> so you, um. They, yeah, they were pretty cool. I was very impressed by that. Because these days, like, if anything, like, if even if they have pencils, it's like those short golf pencils. Maybe, mm-hmm. if you're lucky, with um, the team stamped into it. At City Field here in New York, they have tiny golf pencils that say, let's go Mets on it. Like, in foil, it's like foil embossed, just in, like, a generic typeface. Mm-hmm. But it's it's embossed in red. Mm-hmm. Because I think maybe they didn't have, like, orange and they thought people wouldn't notice. I don't know, but it's... It's pretty funny. The Cubs ones definitely were much better. I was very impressed. That World Series money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, going towards the pencils. Exactly. <laughs> it's all fun. Yeah. 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 I did get to, we did take a family picture with the trophy, which was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I'm going to print that out and frame it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a kid. Like, don't laugh. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Ooh, it's getting hot in here. Anyway, that's all I got. So uh, one one fresh point I'd like to ask you about, Caroline. Uh, so recently you were on um, some other podcast about stationery. Mm-hmm. I just want to know um, if they were as much fun as we were. Well, I wasn't there, so. <laughs> oh, that's exactly. true. That's, that's true. not yeah. an answer. <laughs> well, I oh. feel like what if they, well, they, they, don't listen they to were this, not don't as worry. 
Well, I did. I also did this. At, I did their podcast at 3 p.m. as opposed to what is it, 9 p.m. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think like yeah, this I yeah, you guys are really fun. I'm also allowed to drink. So um, <laughs> they're also a lot more professional than we are. So we're not going to drink at 3 p.m. at work. <laughs> Who do you think I am? Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, it was it. It was a little scary. I will tell you, I was a. I was like a little bit anxious about it. Um, yeah, don't know why. Were... I mean, I've talked to Mike and Brad both before. I don't know why I was nervous, but yeah, um, yeah. Well, you were, not you as were fun. great. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it was Tim, a great episode. It was really, really awesome to hear that. We were um, we were live texting as we were listening to it. True story. Yeah. Aww. Aww. So Tim, how about how about you? Do you have any fresh points you'd like to share? I got a couple. I just wanted to bring up is the Blackwing two hundred five, which we haven't talked about since yeah. we uh, recorded last. Yeah. So um, it came out. What was that? Two two weeks ago. Yeah. No. It's, yeah. Two yeah. Weeks two weeks ago. It, it came out and has gone out of stock at pencils dot com since we last recorded. So it, it did really, which yeah. is sort we of shocking. Coming. Yeah, CW Pencils has them in stock. I'll put a link in show. Yeah. Did they not make a lot of them? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they're gone, and so. Huh. Um. Yeah, the the theme was jade, right? Or of this uh, this historical story, which what was it? I don't remember. It was. It was. Um, they were talking about like yeah the silk road like the trade route between Mm -hmm. yeah from china and there's a lot of like exchange of ideas and art and culture that also happened um through that that trade route so 205 stands for the molecular weight of jadeite which is the most like precious mineral version of jade Uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) so i so i (laughs) yeah (laughs) i I just say that like i mean one thing i definitely yeah respect is the, like the they've been doing like different like very different things each time you know like trying to like go in a totally different route so it's not like just a bunch of writers or not just a bunch of you know whatever uh artists and writers and i i wasn't the biggest fan of this one yeah i i definitely respect the attempt to go in like a different direct different <laughs> direction yeah uh wasn't the biggest fan i i, I did like the idea of doing six of one and six of another color like that was kind of cool yes. different thing yeah that was a good idea um but the the covering of it like it just didn't or the the uh the wrap because we we decided um which i just got the two from you andy one of each that it was done with a white uh basically like a white primer and then wrapped is that yeah. what we decided it was it was maybe not wrapped or like painted with... over the the primer yeah it was it was it was definitely some kind of like like printed in some like offset or or like it's half toned and mm-hmm. they did the same thing with the eleven thirty eights um yeah. and you could see the pixels in that, but for some reason it just wasn't quite as noticeable as it is with this this jade pattern and and there's just it, something about a jade pattern that just it it immediately feels pretty um I'm trying to find a synonym for tacky, but I can't. Uh, I was so. going to say dated. Chintzy. Chintzy. It's, it's so, the whole thing was so like 1993. And I and I have to say that, um, and I know why this wouldn't have worked before I even say it, but if they would have just done 12 Blackwing 205s that were jade green, just like straight jade green, oh, that I think been awesome. mm-hmm. yeah. they would have done, done a lot better. That would have been really cool. I would have liked would yeah. have liked that. But I know that if if they wanted to do the two color thing, that wouldn't have worked because then people would have just been like, "Oh, it's just a black wing pearl," and that would, 
which still I wish they would have I would have rather them yeah. done that but I, uh I would love to have yeah, seen some sort of a surface that's like the the old Venus velvets um you know it's like that kind of like crackled green color that would have mm-hmm. been that would have been a really cool like old vintage kind of like throwback but yeah and yeah it I don't know it was it was a weird design choice and I'm I'm guessing that most of the resources were taken up like trying to do two colors rather than like mm-hmm. being able to play around with like the eraser the ferrule or or something else in there yeah so, and with yeah I with feel the like idea the quality, or, I'm sorry go ahead oh go ahead the quality control was pretty off on mine like hmm. um my ferrules are mad crooked and one of them looks like someone ran it over with a car huh like literally that was- it's not really gold. It looks like somebody keyed it. That was Did me. you run it over with your car, Johnny? No, I did that with 344, <laughs> and it still worked. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't so, mine. It was someone else's pencil. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the most interesting thing that was in that, that pack um, was the Blackwing Clutch. Um, did you – so, so Tim, you didn't you didn't get a Blackwing Clutch, right? You, I did not. No, I just got okay. the – one green, one white from you. Okay, cool. Thank um, you. No, that's 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 all I get. No worries. Yeah. Um, you, Johnny, you got the clutch. Yes. Cool. And Carolina, Caitlin, have you tr- have you seen the clutch, the blackwing clutch? No. no. Okay. So, uh, this is they. I think they. I actually need to check. They either started selling it. I or actually they will... don't know what it is, and I kind of hope it's a little purse. <laughs> that would be amazing. It's a little, it's a little book. It's a pencil size. roll with a with a strap on it. No, it's it um, yeah enough. You wear it with a manicure. Yeah. Um, it was the subscriber extra for this edition, and it is just a little pocket notebook. Um, and the mm-hmm. cover is made out of that same kind of like squishy, foamy, leathery material as the Blackwing slate. Um, and they're mm-hmm. actually like pretty good quality. Like it's it's um. It's just like, you know, bent over like a, um, like saddle stitched, like a, like a, like a field notes. Oh, we opened something with sound. Sorry, Johnny. Thanks for making us open that. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's, this one's stitched, um, like a moleskin and then it's glued to the cover. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's perfect bound. Oh, geez. Yep. There it goes. (laughs) I forgot. It's like like weird and hybrid. Yeah. Or the the Um, video come up. Yep. The video came up. (laughs) No problem. Oh God. Um, it's, it's like, it's, it's really good. Um, it's dot grid, at least the one that I got. Uh, it is very well constructed. It is, it feels more sturdy than like other pocket notebooks, I think, because of that thick cover. Um, they had a kind of a weird, like marketing, um, like the way that they kind of approached it was strange. They talked about how you can use it, you know, sideways as well as, as, lengthwise right you can use it in portrait mode as as well as landscape mode and they just had some weird product photos there so uh i mean, I, I appreciate the the, the second nod to john muir because everyone ignores him yeah but, um he made his own notebooks you can go on the sierra club's website and get a template for it yeah yeah so um yeah they say it they say it lays flat um it's sewn sewn bound they said um it's kind of laid flat it laid laid more flat than a like a Baron Fig notebook, but not as much as um, I think like a Write Notepads notebook. Once you fold it over, and it just doesn't fold over quite as well. Um, 
And later this spring, they're going to start selling them, I guess. But it had really nice paper. It was a 100-pound paper. Um, it's kind of like an off-white. had really nice dot grid. Um, yeah, what did you think of it, Johnny? Um, I liked it a lot, actually. If the um, grid was a little lighter, I think I would have liked it a little more. Yeah. But um, also, it just kind of felt like a thin moleskin with no elastic, sort of. Yeah. Because it didn't want to close. When I was finished, but I, I mean, the construction was like super nice. I was really surprised. That was my favorite um, subscriber extra so far. Cool. Yeah. It sort of made up for, oh, well, that's not my favorite pencil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also cool. wanted to bring up the new confidant from Baron Fig, the Metam Metamorphosis, which I think everybody's excited about. Like, this has been a pretty positive all across the board. Uh, and, I, and I know from our text with each other, we've we've all been pretty pumped up about this. So it comes in what I would call we were talking we talked about that millennial pink, but it's almost a little bit more on like the peach peach colored side. If mm -hmm. if you ask me, maybe maybe I've got like a little yellowish light I'm looking at right now. Uh, but it's a really really good looking notebook dot grid, and um, I'm just like flushing notebooks right now. I can't wait to use it, but it's going to be a little while. But what do you yeah. what do you all think of this? What did you think of the Metamorphosis compared to, which I guess the last one was the Askew, was the last yeah. Baron Fig uh, special edition. What did you think of this one? I liked it because it was a good follow-up to that. Like it was, it had some colors. It wasn't quite as like wacky as the Askew, as the Askew was. It didn't have the same, like it just had a regular lining in it. So mm -hmm. I think for people who really, want some just like different colors slapped onto a confidant like it went really well and it's i feel like it's so far removed from their usual kind of muted color palette or um just very like minimalist look it's it's a little bit more whimsical um kind of like the yeah, three-legged juggler you know we also talked about like the masculine thing like the, like a lot of their stuff gets criticized for being so masculine and yeah. like I, mean, I i i love this but it's like it definitely broadens their scope of what they're going to do and what like color palette they're 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 willing to include which i think is an yeah. awesome awesome inclusion i think this one looks pretty amazing and i can't wait to use it over the uh, over the summer when i get around yeah. to it millennial pink is described as being gender neutral <laughs> just you know yeah throwing that out there <laughs> I, I definitely think rosé is gender neutral. I, I love me a nice rosé on a warm day. I'll drink to that. Or on any mm -hmm. day. Clink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whole Foods has a huge display of rosés right now. A, a rosé oh, display. <laughs> you anyway. can't sell alcohol in grocery stores here. Oh. Yeah. The hell, Maryland. We don't get cheap Trader Joe's beer. Ten Tennessee. We can buy we can finally buy wine in grocery stores, but we can't on Sunday. I could buy seventy five natty lights, but I can't buy a single bottle of wine. So <laughs> is the logic of, of Tennessee. Right Yay. Now. I but assume yeah, in Tennessee so, you just made your own alcohol, like in a like that's where Mountain Dew's from, right? We're no. we're obvi we're obviously talking about supplemental alcohol here, not just like the stuff that's out back. So Oh okay, gotcha. Uh, yeah. Y'all try this stuff yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah Mountain Dew is started like two miles from where i'm sitting right now that's awesome um really mm -hmm. huh um but yeah andy what i think you were saying was about how baron fig has really been like really at like a full-on sprint right now it's... and they've been doing a lot of new stuff and a lot of cool new stuff and a lot of kind of unexpected things i mean we were we were kind of blown away at first when they decided to open up the subscriptions but not just like pocket notebooks or not just confidants but like everything 
<laughs> subscriptions <laughs> subscriptions for it all and and that was kind of shocking at first and they have kept up with it and they haven't missed a beat so far they've been doing some pretty cool things and i i think we're just going to see that growth continue <laughs> so the nomad and the mastermind are two of their brand new products and this isn't even a re-release of like a confidant or a vanguard or whatever These are brand new things um the Mastermind is a big 10 by 8 um, like desktop blotter sticky note pad, I guess. Um, it has rounded corners. It has dot grids. It's gorgeous. Um, and then the Nomad are little like 3 by 3 inch um, sticky note pads that you could take with you just for like brainstorming. Um, yeah, and they just added them. I think they added them today. Uh, maybe yesterday. Somebody, somebody in the... Um, Baron Fig Fanatics group, who I think they are fanatics because they check that site every day. Um, and they just showed up there. So that's cool. Um, did any of you get, get samples of the Nomad or the Mastermind? Nope. Yeah, I did. No, I haven't seen them yet. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it, though. I haven't either. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So what about you, Johnny? What are your fresh points? Okay, so in Baltimore town... There are some new notebooks out from Write Notepads and Company called The Telegraph, uh, which is their spring release. And uh, I don't think they sold out yet, but the pencils sold out pretty quickly. So um, did you guys get yours? I did not get a, get a pencil. Not yet. Um, but you got the books? Yeah. Yep. So hmm. for folks that didn't get them, they're called The Telegraph, and they're um, sort of an homage to Samuel Morse who sent the first government-sanctioned telegraph or telegram from Washington, D.C. to Baltimore, Maryland. So that's the Baltimore connection. Um, and they have Morse code on the back, which is pretty awesome. They're um, famous telegrams that I don't want to spoil if you haven't seen them already, but it's a good excuse to practice your Morse code. So those are super awesome notebooks, and the pencils are definitely the best pencils they've done so far. They look like you know, something you find in your grandpa's drawer, except that they don't smell bad. I love how creamy they are. Yeah. That yellow. Musgraves, like, sending them better stuff. They have their cedar. The leads are centered, except one of my dozen is, like, so off-centered, you literally can't sharpen it. I've never seen a pencil that bad before in my whole life. Thank you, Musgrave. <laughs> so that'll be the one I don't sharpen. But, um, yeah, I think they're still around on their website, and they're probably around other places. But, um... If you're a member, instead of doing what they usually do and sending you a two-pack of their regular three-packs, you the next week got a really cool package with stickers and two um, exclusive packs of wine-colored notebooks that say members only, which is really awesome. Too bad it wasn't a jacket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these, these are um, – I think they're, they're moving away from their original logo that had that fountain pen into just – the big word says right so that's all that's on them which is really pretty there's like a blank one a lined one and duck grid hmm. they're fantastic and those stickers are really so pretty yeah yeah i haven't i've been I, like on a right notepads kick lately I, obviously I, I put the um transparent sticker with the like the cool kind of flowery border on my laptop and it just looks amazing there awesome i don't have room for that one on mine <laughs> But I'm going to put the other one on my car. But, you know, my car is covered in pollen because spring. Yeah. So, Johnny, you took a trip last week, didn't you? 
Yeah, I saw some people in New York that I kind of knew that have a pencil store. Hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was the uh, Jackson McNally lady, wasn't it? I don't know where the hell that place is. <laughs> it's in... I thought about it. I will fight you. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Soho, isn't it? I only vaguely know where Soho is. It's, it's south of Houston. Uh, the last couple of times I've been there, I've had a child with me. I'm just thinking about where the bathroom is. Yeah, she has a new shop near the pizza place that you like. Oh, ah. yeah, yeah, very, very close to there. Like one minute, one or two minutes. It's actually much bigger than the one in Soho, and there's they have an amazing selection of notebooks. Oh man, my bag was already so heavy that day. I'm like, I know what I'll do. I'll go to the pencil store first, and like, buy a bunch of stuff in a big book. Yay! Yeah, bad idea. Yeah, but I mean, I think half the reason those bugles are gone is because I bought most of them. <laughs> no, I didn't. I Wait, only bought like twenty. Did I miss this? You're out of the bugles already. Um, no, we are not out of them. Our system said that we were out of them. I don't know why. I just I didn't count them when we got them. I just entered the numbers that were written, written in sharpie on the, box. on the boxes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, oh we have like a hundred more than we thought we did. So, um, wow. they are restocked online now. Um, I also ordered more. So do not worry. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Cool. So have you guys always had that um, General Scribe pencil, the green one? That's new. Yeah, just about a month or two ago we got those. Oh, my God. I'm in love with this pencil. It's weird, isn't it? It's like it doesn't erase very well, and it's like really, really scratchy, but like dark. It's really confusing. And it's beautiful. It matches my eyes, so I really like it. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the ones that, like, I think it was early in March, we kind of did a frenzy of putting new things online as we were revamping the website, and we put, like, God, like, 20 to 30 new products online at once, and so some of them went a little under the radar. Yeah. Um, And that was one of them. Ah. Cool. See, the benefit of going in person. So I also right. get to meet Harry Marks, our our friend who is a writer and podcaster, and like twelve feet tall. <laughs> so I, I said the same thing when I met Andy. I turned around. I'm like, God, you're so tall. Nobody looks tall on the internet. Maybe you're just short, Johnny. I was wearing my Keens. They make me an inch taller. <laughs> just why I like them. Harry is tall. I think he's taller than I am. No, Harry is like super nice. Yeah. We went and had a nice coffee at Cafe Henry. Well, my daughter was having a fit because she wanted to leave. <laughs> it's kind of boring yeah. when just daddy hangs out with friends. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't like her $9 smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we go to the waitress, is like, hey, would she like a smoothie? I'm like, no. But you can bring her one and I'll pay for it and watch her waste food. <laughs> if you'd bothered to come by the office, as we suggested, I have a pile of Wopex for you. <gasps> All right, I'm getting another ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I will come to New York for Wopex because I don't have like enough of them. <laughs> I don't. Why do we keep getting them? We get these little like samplers that are like a colored Wopex and a regular Wopex and this little like piece of cardboard yeah, that talks about they how they're recycled from. materials. Like that makes you feel better about using them. We have so much stuff in our free bin in the office. You know, it must be sometimes you have flashes of like clarity. And you're like, oh, the Wopex is a fantastic pencil. Nope. And then you forget <laughs> about them happened. later. Because, you nope. you know, you get a little sleep deprived, a little busy. 
We did actually go to throw them away. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, Johnny's coming soon. Yeah. I'll take them. <laughs> throw I'll them away. Them. Yeah. <laughs> Guess where they're going now. Get the Waste management already. Waste management <laughs> won't take those. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> to call the ATF to come in and dispose of the toxic. Yeah, what do they do with trash in New York? Do they burn it or bury it? <laughs> they put it on the street. Oh, no. In we have to get our own. Like, <laughs> put it on the street. Yeah, we have to get our own. Per- I have to, like, pay somebody, like, $100 a month to come pick it up. The city doesn't mm. pick it up. We have to get someone else to do it. Yeah, Wopex, you have to shoot them into space. And <laughs> yeah. It's the only acceptable way. I'm not talking to you guys anymore. <laughs> uh, Wopex will be what's left after a nuclear winter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going the cockroaches and the Wopex. I'm going to be cremated <laughs> and then put into a Dixon crucible with Wopexes glued all over the outside. <laughs> it's going to weigh really like tacky. three tons. But you'll be perfectly preserved. I'll be very happy. I think that's the crucible doing that, not the Wopex, though. Yeah. I'm going to put this in my will. All right. <laughs> right now, it's scatter my ashes at Walden Pond, which is illegal because it's state property. Mike Hagen says the shavings of Wopex have been found in the bellies of fish in the South Pacific. <laughs> Shut the hell up, Hagen. Oh. Oh. They're so bad. That was a good one. They never right. made it that far. Well, I have uh, just a, just a couple to talk about, and then we can move on to to the main event. Um, I do want to uh, thank uh, D. Scolardi and Les Harper and Lenore Hoyt for uh, filling in for us um, last episode on April first. We released um, it was it was busy around the the CW pencil shop, so um, we were like we we still wanted to continue like our our new like gender swap traditions. So. Uh, Dee and Les and Lenore like filled in, and they um, did an amazing job. If you haven't listened to it, you should. Um, we, we had a few people. We actually had um, a journalist from I want to say, not Gawker because Gawker doesn't exist anymore. Lifehacker maybe. She listened to that episode and uh, she thought it was just always with them. And <laughs> I was like, well, it's not. You're gonna have to deal with us at one point. But unfortunately, I it's not always connected with her with them. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So yeah, it was life hacker. Life hacker. So are are we each one of our subs? What do you mean? Like, which one of them is Andy? So I don't know. I don't know. I I, I really got the impression that uh, D and I were very similar because I feel like the two of us um, say yeah and like are very active <laughs> listeners. I feel like. Um, Johnny and Les were similar because they just like worked in little like like zingers and um, they were like fiddling with stuff. And then I think that Lenore <laughs> and uh, and Tim were similar because they didn't talk a lot, but when they did, it was just like whoa. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> That's what I'm going yeah. with. Yeah, like like super profound. And yeah, was, she, oh, was yeah. she watching the Cubs while she was recording too? Or is that just... Pro- probably, yeah. Uh, no, okay. I, I think I think part of it was she she had like she was sitting farther away from a microphone, and when she would say something kind of like under the radar, I was just like, "What did she say?" So I had to stop and listen to the live stream. But when I was editing, oh, I definitely yeah. like I definitely felt like uh, we were all just like sort of channeling each other. So um, okay, so <laughs> so if you want to hear more with the three of them, um, you should because. 
by the time this podcast comes out, uh, they will have launched their first episode of their own new podcast, uh, RSVP. So uh, I won't I won't even say more than that. But if you go to RSVPStationaryPodcast.com, um, their first introductory episode should be up there. You may not be able to find it on iTunes quite yet because sometimes it takes a little while for iTunes to matriculate um, the feeds. So uh, RSVPStationaryPodcast.com. Uh, I will not say what RSVP stands for. Um, I'll let Les or D say it in the chat if they would like to. Um, or maybe on air. So you'll just have to listen there. Cool. Uh, last fresh point for me, um, lapel pins. Uh, they are Woo! finally back in stock. <laughs> um, I can't remember if I mentioned this or not, but we got them before. And I actually sent them back because the pin was in the middle of the... or the like the stick of the pin was in the middle of the of the lapel pin, like in the middle of the, what am I trying to say, like design. And it would flip upside down because our lapel pins are top heavy. So that went ex like expressly against like the designs that I indicated that they should follow. So sent them back, took a little while to get them back again. They're back and uh, this weekend I'll start sending them out. So yay. Uh, we have plenty of of extras, so keep on ordering them if you have not ordered them yet, and I'll make sure you get them quickly. All right, so um, we are here today to talk, talk about a couple of things. Um, I, I definitely want to talk about uh, The Pencil Perfect, which is um, Caroline's new book that is out uh, since we recorded last. Um, we have a list of questions for you there. Um, try not to overlap the Pen Addicts interview too much about it. Um, but I think we, I think we have some good, um, good questions here and, um, also talk a little bit about some of the new products in the shop and the feature of the pencil box and a few other things like that. So, um, yeah, Caroline, um, I'd love to know you, you wrote a book about pencils. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a real thing. I know from listening to the pen addict that you were approached by the publisher, uh, the Gestalten, um, what is it, Gestalten Press Media? I can't remember. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what the add-on to yeah. the name is. No, I don't know. You you're approached by the publisher to write a book, um, but how how did you kind of form the idea more fully and sort of just take it in the direction that you did? Um, yeah. Well, when they approached me, the um, the guy who was the creative director at the time had read Petrosky's book on the pencil and was also like pretty familiar with me and the shop um, because of the shopkeeper. Yeah. Because of a book that we, that we were in already um, that they published called the shopkeepers. Um, and yeah, they're, like their, their thing their I mean, the thing that they really like proposed to me was that we do a book that was um, as informative as the pencil, but maybe a little bit more accessible and also like, as an object, like just more of like, well, I guess just in general, more of an object, like something that you might not necessarily buy because you want to read it cover to cover, but because you might want to buy it to like put on your coffee table and read like one section at a time. Um, it was meant to kind of be like, like, a, I guess like a very like modern story of the pencil that, that I mean, because Petrosky published that book in 1990. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, that, I mean, that's been 27 years. So, um, yeah, they wanted, they kind of just wanted to do like a, just, yeah, I guess like a more like anecdotal kind of, um, just more accessible version of the story of the pencil. 
um, because it's um, apparently a thing that people are interested in these days. So you wrote this entire book in pencil or pencils. Can you talk about some things you learned um, by writing an entire book in graphite and also share what was your favorite pencil and paper combo? Um, yeah, so I, well, when I, when I first like signed my contract and, um, was definitely going to be doing this thing, I didn't really immediately think about like what pencil I was going to use. I first thought of like what, what I was going to write it in because I, I had decided from the get go that I was going to start taking Wednesdays off so I can work from home on the book because, um, I mean, I run a shop. It's like a, a more than full-time job. I knew I was going to need extra time. Um, and I also had envisioned myself doing this like in cafes or in the library or wherever one might be working in New York City that is not home. Um, and so I bought on sale from Smithson, like my favorite luxury paper retailer in the UK. I bought this like beautiful like greenish blue leather um, pad folio that came with a giant like A4 sized spiral bound notebook um, and the paper is like super heavy it's like a regular spiral bound like lined notebook but um, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Smithson paper but they have this like really signature kind of like sky blue um, that all their paper is like you can't buy white paper from them it's all blue um, and it's super thick it's perforated it's a little it's a little bit toothier than I normally prefer with pencil um, but I truly believe that if I bought myself like this glamorous notebook I would be more motivated to work um, that definitely wasn't the case. It didn't quite pan out the way I thought it would, but I, I, from the start committed myself to using these notebooks. And for the most part, I really liked it. It was nice to stare at a color that wasn't white for long periods of time. Um, I, the blue was really soothing. I really liked the format of it. I liked that it was a little bit longer. The line spacing was great. The toothiness, um, I got used to, I kind of liked it almost. It made it feel like it was like a super physical thing that I was doing because it just like, it made, it made the pencil feel just like so much heftier. It made the, yeah, I don't know. And like the, the paper's really thick. It just, yeah, it was a fun notebook to work with. It was very different than what I'm used to, but, um, I really use like all the pencils, um, depending on the section, I chose a pencil, um, that seemed appropriate. Um, you said you went through going, 39 pencils. I went through 39 pencils wow. and I used like the, almost the entirety of one arrowhead eraser cap. Um, with another eraser, I was using a black um, Matamaro Kuhn eraser as well. Um, but yeah, it was 39 pencils um, that I wore like down to the very, very, very end. I used a pencil extender. Um, but pencil extenders get really uncomfortable to use, I learned, like when you're writing for a really, really long time. Um, so I had to kind of keep a rotation. So as much as I would have liked to have like completely curated my pencils by section I had to be a little strategic about it because I needed to have like more than one at a time but um yeah I just I, there were some days when I really just like used whatever was in my bag um yeah I guess there was one there's one point when I first started writing the book and I was working on the section on how pencils are made that was the first section I wrote we didn't do it necessarily like chronologically um and I was on vacation. I was really mad because they had assigned me this first section. It was due like the day after I got back from my vacation. And I went to, I was in Colombia for like eight or nine days. And I remember sitting, like sitting on the patio of Fed, my boyfriend's uncle's house on a rubber plantation. 
in the middle of nowhere, like in the middle of the night trying to like edit the first draft of the first section of the book. And I didn't bring any like colored pencils with me to mark things up with. So I bought these like pretty horrible triangular double-ended colored pencils from a stationery store. Just like that was just local. Um, and they kept breaking and there were mosquitoes everywhere and I was like really uncomfortable and like kind of mad about it. And then the next day I was writing a section about erasers and we happened to be going like really, really early in the morning at like 5am to the rubber plantation to tap rubber, um, from the trees. And then I thought like, okay, like this is going to be okay. This all happened for a reason. (laughs) It's Um, in the pencil's hands now. Yeah. I'm sorry. I kind of went off on that a little bit. No, not at all. Tim, do you want to take the next one? Yeah, yeah. We were wondering, like, as you're you're writing this book, uh, who did you see as the audience for the book? And maybe that's like a overly. I don't know. I, I just imagine that aside from people who are just tend to be really into pencils, I'm, I'm I'm assuming as you're writing it, you've got like sort of a bigger thing in mind. And did you have a certain book or a piece of writing that you were emulating as you wrote it, and as you were thinking about who might enjoy this kind of book? Um, that's a good question. I haven't been asked that before. Um, I'm not sure that there was anything that I was trying to emulate. I definitely had a picture in my mind of like what this book would be. Um, and honestly, like had I written it entirely on my own, like without the influence of a publisher, it probably would have been like been quite a different thing. Um, but I don't know. I was just, honestly, I just kept thinking like, okay, I'm going to try to make this like the opposite of any book that exists about pencils, which of course there aren't many. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and at one point, the the editor who I was working with came back and was just kind of like, okay, like you need to like tone it down a little bit. Like you're, you're getting a little too friendly, like in your text. And <laughs> um, that kind of freaked me out. I was like, okay, like I, I'm not an academic. I'm not a writer. I'm just telling these stories as I know them. Um, the best I can. So I um, was a little bit self-conscious after that, but um, I think you did a really good job. I don't job know. Of... It was just kind of like, I... huh? I'm sorry. I, th- I think you did a really jo- good job of like capturing your voice without like going into like really, you know, conversational tone. Um, yeah. So I thought you, I thought you struck a really good balance. Yeah, totally agree. Thank you. That's yeah. That's what we we're going for. That's good to hear. Um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to find that balance. And I've never like, obviously never worked with an editor on anything. So I don't really, I had, I had a really hard time kind of like understanding that relationship and kind of trying to, I guess, please all parties involved. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, of course I just wanted to tell, tell all these stories the way that I would tell them to a real person in the shop, the way that all of us do all day, every day. But, um, that doesn't necessarily translate the same way, like written on a piece of paper, um, so that was the real challenge was trying to find a way to like sort of just like hone that in and edit it so that it reads it reads the right way. When um, when you were talking a little bit about the audience for the book, it's it's interesting because like, do you think you were trying to write for like people who you were trying to like sell on the concept of pencils or were you thinking like they probably wouldn't even pick up this book in the first place? Um, um, like who's your main audience for this? I think it's somebody who is a little bit interested, but maybe not completely sold yet. Um, It's a person who is interested in design, interested in like the function of objects, maybe interested, like, like vaguely interested in analog tools. Um, 
I, you know, I don't know. Or maybe it's people like, like everybody listening to this podcast who are also kind of experts on these things and maybe just want to hear it like told as a story or maybe like might be looking for like a few things that one didn't already know already. I, I don't know. I, I think the audience is just meant to be, um, I don't, well, I mean, I, I wrote it just thinking about all the people that I know through my job or through just like regular life. Like what would, what would people who don't know that they care about these things want to read about? Um, or like, what would, like, what would, what would like my grandmother want to read? Um, or what would like my cousin who is 22 and doesn't really understand what my job is want to read? Like it's, um, I think it was more about the people who don't know that much than about the people who already have an interest in these things. Yeah. Can I add to that? Sure. Please do. I think it's like part of the joy of working at CW. And I know it's one of the things that you like most about having your own store is just the ability to tell these stories. Yeah. Because sometimes, like, we don't exist solely for the purpose of telling stories, but we kind of exist because of the stories. Yeah. And telling them is, it almost doesn't, like, the audience almost doesn't matter because it's such a joy to tell them sometimes. Um, And, like, if you tell them in, in, you know, such a passionate way that, like, Karen Delang did with the book, um, people come. You know, it's I, it's just part of why, like, the pencil in and of itself is such an interesting object is because that there are so many stories that people don't really know or think about. And but everybody's held a pencil in their life. And that's what I like about about your store. I think you defined it really well on the Pen Addict interview, Caroline, um, the difference between like, you know, a little hipster boutique shop and like a specialty shop like yours. Um you know, you guys, you guys are very trained in knowing like, like the feature of each pencil and the story behind the pencil and just sort of like explaining the appeal of a pencil in general. Whereas, you know, there's so many stores around San Francisco and probably also in New York that, you know, would sell a lot of unusual pencils, um, maybe not even unusual pencils, just like, you know, some black wings and some, some, some things like that. And they just, they don't care. Like just, they just sell it because they're fancy. and you guys really distinguish yourselves i think because all of you know a lot about what you're talking about yeah and when there's so much to know like why wouldn't we want to know all these things and i I think it's really sad when people don't don't because i don't think that they just don't realize that there is so much to know and i think yeah that's really honestly part of the reason why i was so excited to write this book because i thought like okay this is a way to take like what i do on a daily basis and apply it to like a wider audience um kind of yeah get it out to people who might not know that my shop exists or that the four of us are here telling stories every day like that it's yeah it's just a different audience I guess it yeah it just has a much maybe not wider reach but just a different reach um than having a shop and existing on the internet um yeah it's weird I keep I keep seeing pictures on Instagram of the book in various places and um I went to our letter the letter writer society that we're all members of here in New York at the meeting last night, one of the women who's in the um, in the group had been to the Met, and it's in the Met gift shop, um, which I had no idea about, and wow. that's like very exciting. I'm that's going on cool. Friday um, 
to see it in the Met. I will be Instagram storying about this. But like, I love I love thinking that there are like tourists who are in the Met and see this book that's really pink and like on a shelf and maybe they buy it not knowing anything just because it's there because the Met decided it should be. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So um, the book is chock full of not just of, you know, um, technical information, but there's a lot of really good historical sto- um, stories of the companies and the families. So what is your favorite piece of pencil history? Um, you know, honestly, ever since I saw the show notes today, I've been thinking about this and um, I don't even really have an answer. I don't know because all of it I think is so fascinating. And um, there's just so much to know about the people who are behind all of these things. Um, and I guess I hadn't really like completely realized just how extraordinary some of these people involved with very, very early pencils were. Like, I didn't really know the extent of Joseph Dixon's history. I didn't, um, I, I didn't know how much of an impact world's fairs had on the pencil industry, which that was probably my favorite thing to research because that was probably the thing I knew the least about, um, was world's fairs. I had so much fun researching world's fairs. Um, I got, I fell a little bit too deep down that rabbit hole and ended up researching so much stuff I definitely didn't need. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it really made me have a lot of respect for the families who even now in 2017 are still involved in the pencil industry. Um, because there was, uh, during certain periods of time, especially like in the first half of the 20th century, in the, I guess, maybe the last 20 years of the 1800s, there was so much drama between families, between like different countries within different, different companies within different countries. Um, it, I mean, it definitely wasn't like the, the dirtiest of industries, but it, it definitely wasn't all like hunky dory. There were a lot of like weird regulations that were set. Um, because there was too much competition or that there were certain companies who had too much of a monopoly. It, it, um, yeah, there was a lot of drama that I learned about and kind of uncovered that I didn't even realize was a thing, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's like one thing I, I learned a lot. It was kind of fun to take the things that I already knew and kind of backtrack and dive a little bit deeper into that, but also, search things that I had no idea about. Like I had no idea that the brothers who started Hasbro, like the toy company, um, were involved with Empire Pencil Company. Like that, that's the one thing that I think like I really had no idea about. And the only reason why I figured that out was because Empire Pencil Company, there's almost no information on that, on them, like on the internet. There's not even much in Petrosky's book. There, there's, there's hardly anything. And then I ended up like finding an obituary for, like, from what I understand from the history that I've read, like, the least influential of the Hassenfeld brothers, um, I found his obituary in the New York Times and found out from his obituary that he had left, like, branched off from the family to take over the pencil company, Empire Pencil Company, um, down south. And there was this, like, huge feud involved with um, him just, like, leaving and taking over the pencil company. But they had started in... Um, like the pencil box industry, they made these like fabric covered pencil boxes and you would get like an eraser and a couple of pencils and like maybe a few other accessories. And so they decided to buy a pencil company to manufacture the pencils that were going in their boxes. And yeah, that's what happened. That ended up being empire pencil, wow. um, basically like owned by Hasbro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So, um, it's, 
that's interesting. That's a that's a good segue into a question I had. Um, you know, you you uncovered you uncovered a lot of this, and as you say, there's not a lot available about some of the stuff. What um, how did you research this? Like, what lengths did you go to to uncover some of this information? I can partially answer that. There was a <laughs> sure. period of time where we were receiving weird Amazon packages that were clearly books. Like, I feel like daily like (laughs) and like trying to buy like things for the shop from amazon during this period of time like seeing like all the like random like small publisher like caroline bought so many books (laughs) i do i probably have like i have a i have a pretty large pencil research library in my Mm -hmm. living room Mm -hmm. currently um there yeah there were a, a lot of random books that i found out about through like documents that I found on the internet or like pieces from like old stationary supplier catalogs. Um, yeah, there was like one book of letters between two academics about the rows that I had to buy like secondhand on Amazon that took like five weeks to get here. And then there was like another, another very like technical um, science journal about graphite that was written like a hundred years ago that ended up being really useful. It had like a whole list of like every mine, every known mine, like a hundred years ago in the entire world. Um, most of what I learned about the, the scientific composition of graphite, I learned from that book. Um, and turns out not much of it has changed since. Um, yeah, it was, it was challenging. Well, I mean, it, it wasn't. I just I kept thinking in the back of my mind, like, what was it like for Henry Petrosky to write his book about pencils in 1990 when he didn't have the resources I had because, well, I had his book and the internet. Mm. Um, it made me, it really, like, made me have so much more respect for the work that he's done in pencil history. Um but of course, his book was like a. His, I kind of use his book as like a as like my starting reference point yeah. for everything. Like I use the index in the back. Like if I was trying to research something, I would first before going to the internet, like go to the the I guess the index in the back, go through the book, highlight everything I could find on the subject I was looking for, and then I would go to the internet next and um, see what I could dig up there. And then I would end up like buying books or like looking at things in archives to yeah kind of dive a little bit deeper but um yeah it was it was a lot of research it was a it was especially with like the 16th 17th 18th century some of that was really really difficult and also trying to figure out the Faber family tree I had to like draw it out in my notebook because there were so many of them more than I had even thought and um none of it made sense I even like paid for an ancestry.com subscription (laughs) that I only just recently remembered to cancel um because I just couldn't figure it out and even on there I had a hard time piecing it together um but yeah, it was That's super cool. It was weird. I felt like I was in college again, except I didn't go to a real college. So I guess that's what it would probably feel like to be in college. Um, I'm not sure. But I did the best I could. I mean, I didn't have to like travel anywhere to gather information. I'm really lucky that I work in the pencil industry. And a lot of the people involved with these companies and these families are people that I know personally. So I, I got a lot of help, especially from Karen Dash. They have like a an on staff historian who like emailed me this huge package of like photos um, that were directly illustrated and like information. It was um, really helpful. Yeah. Um, did you uncover anything in your research that runs contrary to popular belief or sort of like the usual, the usual points that people make about the history of pencils? Um, or is there the main one about lead? Yeah, I mean, that's 
I like I I have a hard time understanding what popular belief is because I'm so like immersed in this weird like very niche world. I don't even know what people oh. think about this stuff anymore. Well, let me but, rephrase um, it. Did you did you find anything in your research that runs contradictory to what we have talked about on this podcast? As... Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> um... <laughs> You know, I don't really, th- there's nothing that comes to mind immediately, honestly. Um, I think most of the people who care about the stuff are people who also are really invested in like knowing the real truth about it. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't really, I don't really think so. I, um, the one thing that su- I think surprised me the most was like how, well, and I know this, like Caitlin just said that this very much has to do with the fact that there are still people who think that pencils are made out of lead. Um, which blows my mind. I had a girl in the shop like last week who honestly did not believe me when I told her that that was not true. Um, she really got like mad at me about it. Um, and really thought I was lying to her, but, um, which like blows my mind every time pencils are not made out of lead. They are made out of graphite. And, um, it's, it was really surprising to me to actually like read about how people, how like, how I guess like geologists and scientists figured out what graphite is because it took a very long time. I totally understand why people think it's lead or why people thought it was lead for a really long time because they just simply did not know what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, but, huh. um, it's just so, it's just so strange to think, think that there was once a time when it actually would take like a hundred years to figure out something like that. Um, whereas now you'd have an answer in like a day. Yeah. Do you think now that you're going to get into learning about the uh, physical properties of graphene and its applications in popular science? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I will say that when I was when I was in London in October, I went to um, the Natural History Museum there, which I am ashamed to admit that I lived in London for four and a half years and not once did I go there. It was my first time as a tourist. And in the upstairs, um, in the upstairs geology room which is this long hallway it's amazing it's like the most beautiful room i've ever seen in my life and they have a whole section dedicated to graphite and they have um they have like chunks of graphite from the borrowdale mine and they have like graphite from all over the world like every country that produces graphite um and just like large like just like large chunks in a glass case with like tiny little labels it was pretty amazing i wouldn't mind like becoming a graphite scientist um is that a thing is that, that gonna be my thing. next career do i get to wear like a lab coat i only remember Can it be millennial pink? about like <laughs> uh, electrically conductive particles of graphene using uh tape mm. oh. i don't wow. know about that there's oh, I mean, you know, we don't need to get into this this isn't unrelated but you know like with the test scoring pencils and the artificial graphite yeah. and like the graphite can be electrically conducted yeah there's like so that. much science to that yeah um yeah i found a lot of really great old like um what am i trying to say instruction manuals for like the original original test scoring machines mm-hmm. with the instructions on like how like what pencils to use i wish i'd save those i don't even know where to find them now um they're somewhere in a folder somewhere on my computer um, but those are really cool. Yeah, I'm going to be a graphite scientist. But really, though, who's going to make the lab coats? I definitely look forward to your uh, graphite science podcast with Lenore. Are they going to be? Um, <laughs> the, the chemistry professor. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, I want to be like the Bill Nye of graphite. Caroline <laughs> Weaver, PhD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. PhD, graphite studies. <laughs> 
Yeah. Can some very small college give me an honorary PhD in pencil history? Is that a thing? Um, Nobel laureate. (laughs) Oh, geez. We're getting carried away. (laughs) Well, so the, in the book, they've, uh, it's kind of a big, or a big jump from what we've been talking about, but the, the illustrations are really great in the book. Uh, A lot of, pencil drawings in the book of things from your store and then just things from pencil history. And so is there any of you could talk about that a little bit and talk about the illustrations and the visual aspect of the book and like, who is it that you were collaborating with and how did you handle or think about that as you were actually doing the, the writing of each chapter? Um, yeah, that was, that was a, something I didn't really think about before I wrote the book. They, they, the publisher originally like came at me with this, like, okay, you're going to, you're going to write the text for this. And then we are going to have somebody illustrate it. And they already had an illustrator in mind. Um, the book was illustrated by Oriana Fenwick who lives in, um, Frankfurt, I think. And she does really amazing, like very photorealistic drawings in pencil. Her, her like work from her own practice is a lot more contemporary than that. But, um, I've never actually met her or even spoken to her. Um, this entire process was dealt with through a project manager. So um, it was a lot of coordination. It was an interesting process because um, for the publisher too, this was their first text-based book that they published. Um, and so there's a huge learning curve on their part. And for me too, like I had to write the text for these books for like the, each section of the book while simultaneously taking notes on the things that I wrote about that I thought were crucial to be illustrated. And so I had to find a lot of the source images. Um, And so at the end of every week, basically the way that it worked was that I would start my week with instructions or like I already had an outline telling me like, these are the things that are due at the end of this week. And these are the things that are due at the end of next week. And I did it section by section, not necessarily chronologically. And um, I would submit at the end of the week, I would submit my first draft and I would also submit my illustration notes. Um, And it was interesting because like a whole month went by of me doing this where I didn't see anything. They didn't show me any illustrations. And then they sent me a folder and I got to see a few things. Um, And um, yeah, and I, they, it was, I don't know. I don't know what I thought. I mean, I of course had this entire book pictured in my mind from the very beginning and it, and it ended up being an amazing thing that was just different from what I expected, but I love the illustrations and a lot of it, like I, I know that Amy, the editor, and Oriana, who's the illustrator, got kind of into, like, kind of taking the reins on these things and doing the research on their own, too, to find their own source images that they wanted in the book. And so a lot of the th- a lot of the images in the book are not things that I chose. They're things that other people on the team thought were important. So it was very much a collaborative effort. I like some of the old vintage uh, ads that are in there. I actually just took that A.W. Faber one with the, like, the guy with the big armful of giant pencils and the smokestacks behind yeah. him. And yeah. I, just, I just made that my profile picture. Because <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Some of those ads are really fun. I think that was probably like my largest illustration notes document. And I like, I ranked them by my favorites, like which ones I thought were the most important. Um, and I was really, really upset to see that they did not include my number one choice. Um, which was? Which was um, a black and white ad from... I'm guessing it was probably from like, geez, probably the late 1930s. Um, It was a Mongol ad. And it was one where there was like a little boy and a little girl sitting at a table. And 
Yeah, ex- yeah, Caitlin's motioning. She's doing it right now. I know what um, it is. Yeah. And they have a piece of paper that's like rolled up like a cone. And I think it's the girl who's writing on a piece of paper. And the boy has his ear up to this cone and like the cone right up against like the pencil that she's writing with. And the whole ad is about the sound of a Mongol. Mm-hmm. It's about like <laughs> oh, the sound cool. that a Mongol makes to write with. And it advertises that you can get, I forget what they call it, like, like a, like a, pencil like sound testing device from your local stationer which is truly just a piece of paper rolled up um that's that's my favorite one but they didn't include that one that's okay it was like kind of it was it was kind of a deep cut yeah Yeah, i get it i totally is that the next uh, cw pencils exclusive product (laughs) 70 cw pencil would be really good Um, have all these mongols now too we're gonna work on that yeah yeah that would be so good. We need well, to that, recreate that. They would just yeah, at least got to make a station in the store, right? right like a, a, t- a sound station. Yeah. A it's sound a, testing station. It's a sound booth. Make that's like a, a little booth. booth. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah, totally. We should do, because we, we have these cards that we use to send just like responses to letters that we get in the mail or sometimes customer notes um, that we have made through Artifact Uprising, where you can truly just like upload your Instagrams to their website and have them printed as like really like high quality greeting cards. Um, we should do ones that are like us recreating famous pencil ads. That would be really good as like a greeting card <laughs> or a postcard. We've been talking for a long time about recreating the Mongol state uh, secretary ads. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, with like the girl with the blonde hair. Though there's one with brown hair too. There's the two. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah. we've sort of popped in and out of the um, the editing process a little bit, but can you tell us, or you know, sort of walk us through um, what went between your notebook and the pink covered book that we're holding? Um. Yeah. I mean, it was. Honestly, like the what you're reading in the book is almost exactly what I actually wrote from the beginning. Um, I edited each section maybe like twice before I submitted it. And Amy, who edited the whole book, um, who I actually met in the shop in December, it was so fun to meet her in real life. She was visiting with her family. Um, but anyway, she towards the very end, like sent me Word documents that with like highlighted edits that she made or things that didn't make sense to them. A lot of it was like kind of translating like my pencil language to something that like non pencil people can understand. Um, yeah, but like true, truly I was, I was also very surprised by like how, how willing they were to just kind of like leave it as it was. Um, they didn't really come to me with any notes on like, Oh, like this, we need to like move this section to a completely different part of the book or like we want to just completely change the way that you're telling the story. Like none of it, none of it was like that. They were very, um, I guess very respectful of the way that I wanted to tell these stories, which I really appreciate. It's really almost exactly the same as what I wrote to begin with. That's cool. I, um, I really liked reading your thoughts on the, the future of the pencil. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Um, sure. Yeah, that was, that was a part of the book that was really important to me, um, that much to my surprise, I kind of had to fight for, um, because it's like, I could talk forever and ever and ever about pencil history, but, um, I think what's more interesting is like why I'm here talking to you guys about a book that I wrote about the pencil in 2017. Like, I think, I think it's pretty amazing that it's an object that has stood the test of time enough to, garner enough attention to even like have a book in 2017 and so um it's important to me to talk about that and i and i don't i don't maybe maybe i don't completely understand 
um, why, why we're here and why we're still using these things. But, um, yeah, I don't know. And I truly believe that, um, the reason that I'm interested in these things is the same reason that a lot of other people are that it's just, it's just an experience that you can't get from anything else in this day and age when we're glued to our iPhones every day. It's just, it's, I don't even know how to put it into words because it's like more of a feeling. I wish I could like describe like exactly the feeling of why a pencil is important um, and why it will always be here. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think that there will always be professions where a pencil is the preferred writing instrument. I think there will always be people, be people who crave that um, physical connection to a writing instrument. I think that there, of course, there will always be artists who need things like this. Um, and I'm curious to see how this stuff evolves because I think we're kind of in a strange period right now where, um, none of the companies that exist right now making pencils are going anywhere anytime soon. Um, they're all doing well from what I understand. I mean, we just did an interview last week for CBS news about how pencil sales have grown ever like, pencil imports in the U to the U S have, grown 40% in the, in, well, I guess between 2015 and 2016. Um, the whole story was about how pencil sales are on the rise, which is something that I was completely oblivious to. And I'm pleased to hear that because I think we can take credit for that here on the erasable podcast. Oh yeah. Boom. It's totally you guys. 100%. It's the erasable um, bump right there. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, and I think it might have something to do with like kind of a shift towards, um, I guess the appeal of nostalgia, definitely. That's a really big word in our vocabulary over here. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think that we're going to see in the next couple of years, maybe like the next 10 years, um, a strange time where a lot of these pencil companies who have been around for a really long time are going to have to think about what their place is, um, I guess, in a in a I guess like a longer term way. I think that we're going to start seeing maybe a little bit more innovation just out of necessity. Um, I don't know. I like to think that like at our shop here, our main goal is to re-engage people. Um, and I hope that this book will kind of do that too. I don't really know. I, I have like a lot of words to describe <laughs> all of this and they're all getting jumbled up. Um, I should just read to you from, from the book. Um, but I don't know. For as long as people are buying pencils, I will be here selling them. I can definitely tell you that. Did you have any say in the design of the book, like the binding type and the paper that it was on? Um, I actually didn't. I didn't even know what the book was going to look like until, I guess, like mid-December. I was, I, I had been sent like a couple of like sample pages. So I had an idea of what it was going to look like. And then I was sent a PDF of a, of like the nearly final proof for fact checking in December. And it didn't look anything like I thought it was going to. Um, and I, and it, I mean, of course it was part of my contract that this is not a thing that I was to be like super involved with. And, um, they're also a publisher who do really amazing design, like design books. And so, of course, I, like, trusted them. But the book was originally blue. It was not pink. Um, it was a kind of, like, like very, like, that really, like, trendy shade of, like, cobalt blue that you see on a lot of, like, design books or that people use, like, in type a lot these days. Um, 
and I hated the color. Like, it just didn't feel right. Um, as if there was only going to be one accent color, I just didn't understand why it was blue because it just didn't seem like deliberate at all. I thought that it should be something that was maybe like a subtle nod to something related to what the book's about. And so, um, I, in my very like passionate and slightly upset email response, I <laughs> kind of like in passing suggested eraser pink and, um, I didn't really hear from anyone for a while, and then I got the final proof, and it was indeed, like, a kind of erasery pink. The color that it ended up being actually printed in is much deeper than the one that I originally saw. I, I like the color, though. It, I think it suits it. I think um, we kind of agreed that it is, like, original, like, pumice eraser yeah, pink. Yeah, when they were, like, when they were, when they were like kind of red. Like, early yeah. 1900s eraser pink is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Are you sure it's eraser pink and not another shade of pink? Mm, um, yes. A millennial pink, almost. Well, it's definitely not millennial pink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just you know, look at Glossier's branding. It's certainly not that shade of pink. Yeah, that's yeah. like the epitome <laughs> of millennial pink. pink. Yeah. <laughs> we go to their um, showroom on our lunch breaks, like on, on a, regular a regular basis. basis. <laughs> so um, we can't really say much about that. It's the original eraser pink. I yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. The original eraser pink. Um, you talk about a lot of, you know, stand up men and women in the history of penciledom. So who is your favorite person or your pencil hero? This is another thing that we talked about all day today. Who is my pencil hero? Um, Johnny Camper. It's Johnny Camper. <laughs> number, one, number one is Caitlin. Aww. <laughs> no, it's Johnny. Um, no, I, I, I mean, obviously Caitlin's included. Johnny, you can be included too. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I think like a lot of this has to do with families. Like that's the, like if we were to pare this all down to like a paragraph, a lot of it would have to do with these families who started these businesses, who have been involved in these businesses for for like decades or like a, for a lot of these places, like a whole century um, or longer. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think my, I don't think I have a pencil hero. I think all of my pencil heroes are living. And I don't know, off the top of my head, I can think of like Jim Weissenborn at Generals who I have semi-regular phone conversations with and he just wants to talk. Um, he's a great talker. I love talking to him on the phone. Um, he recently sent, just like randomly sent with no note, nothing, just like written in Sharpie, the box said like from Jim, smiley face, like a box full of vintage pencils from um, their warehouse in California where they keep like their archives of vintage pencils, like whole like half grosses of really amazing pencils. And um, yeah, or like Carol Hoopscher, who is the current president of Karen Dash and her, her family started the brand and um, she's just such a badass woman who is like really interested in like bringing their company into the 21st century. And mm -hmm. she's, yeah, she's so amazing and so interesting to talk to and just such a, such a cool person. Um, we were really lucky to be able to spend some like good quality time with her when we were in Switzerland last year. Um, Mary yeah. Or, huh? Mary Norris. <laughs> oh yeah. Or, like people like Mary Norris who are mm. advocates for pencils on like a much wider scale than we can reach. Um, yeah, I think I think like my pencil heroes are this circle of people who I work with on like a daily, weekly, monthly basis. That's cool. So uh, yeah, that, I think that about wraps it up for some of the questions we have. I um, I had a kind of an advanced PDF copy and I read from there and I kept meaning to 
by the pencil when I made it back to New York because I really wanted to buy it in person from your shop, but I didn't. So I finally just bit the bullet today and bought it on the internet, bought it online. So uh, if you haven't set that out, sent that out yet, Caroline, I would love if you would inscribe that. So uh, I already no. did. Yeah. <laughs> and also, uh, thank you for the mention of the Erasable podcast in, in the book. I really appreciate that. So obviously, I'm don't sure. leave you guys out. <laughs> I'm sure that'll the book will outlast the podcast there and people go searching for it and be like, you are the future of pencils. <laughs> I believe that erasable is our future. Um, so um, I believe that Andy will help us find our way. <laughs> so um, anything we haven't mentioned or anything you'd like to talk about before we move on to shop, shop stuff, shop talk. No, except for when we were just talking about pencil heroes. I hadn't heard that term for a long time. Nobody's asked me about that. If I remember that when we first started talking about this book and didn't have an outline set for it, I had suggested the book be called Pencil Heroes and it would just be like profiles on all the pencil heroes. Mm, um, that's cool. And that didn't happen. And I'm a little bit bummed about that because then I could include everybody, all I the pencil heroes. Story we could still tell. Yeah, I could. Maybe that's the next book, All the Pencil Heroes. I could like self publish, print it on like printer paper and staple it and mail it to everyone. <laughs> well, we'll uh, Caitlin we'll will draw zine. pictures of everyone, like portraits. Maybe that's an epi- maybe that's um, an issue of Plumbago as a pencil hero issue. Oh my yeah. god, that Plumbago. would be really good, and everybody could do their their pencil hero. Yeah, hell yeah. We yeah. have to we have to draw a picture though. Oh yeah, there have obviously. to be portraits. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, let's um let's talk about some of the new stuff in the shop. Um, so um. I'll start off. I, I was really interested to hear the origin story of the black and white bugle and the pen addict. Um, I I want to get people to go listen to that interview, so let's let's not talk about it here. But it's actually pretty amazing. I love that. Just like the guy from Musgrave just sent you a an envelope with like nothing in it except this pencil. But um, anyhow, um, I I'm really interested to know a little bit about the um, the editor. Um, I just bought one last week and started using it um how how did that come about and how like why why did you make the decisions that you did with it what what's different about this than than other double-ended pencils like this um so that that pencil is one that i have been thinking about since probably before definitely before i opened the shop of like okay what pencils am i missing like which ones don't exist that i feel like should um and as a person who is very, very reliant on a planner and on lists. Um, I always use a black or I, I always use a red pencil or a colored pencil in conjunction with whatever graphite pencil I'm using. And um, I was disappointed to find that there weren't really any graphite and red double-ended pencils. Um, other than like the Louise Feely ones that she did with, I think, Princeton when she published one of her design books like a couple years ago. And those are made in China. They're like kind of terrible. Um, it's not graphite. It's colored pencils. I think it's graphite. Like the the mm. black end is graphite. I don't. We stocked those when we first opened and haven't stocked mm. them since because they just weren't great quality. Um, if you actually like were to use them, they're beautiful. Um, yeah, and so that's just one that we've kind of joked with, and I kind of forgot about that idea until one of our like very original customers, Mike Sachs, who is uh, an editor at Vanity Fair, he has a podcast. It's really funny. Um, he started coming to the shop when we first opened and this kind of, this discussion kind of started again. And then we were thinking about it for a long time. And ever since we developed this relationship with Karen Dash, we talked about it a lot with them and 
with Carol and Jean-Francois, who's their CEO. And finally they agreed to do it for us. Um, and yeah, I guess before then I was in Colombia and found that they have pencils that are like that, that are made by like very, very local brands. And, um, Eagle Short Handy. And the Eagle Short Handy, which is a very, very old vintage pencil. It's like one of those very thin stenographer's pencils that was one third red and two thirds, like a very hard graphite. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And then in in certain parts of Latin America, they make a similar pencil um, that is used, from what I understand, mostly by accountants. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so um, Karen Dash agreed to make this pencil for us and we just kind of went from there. Our friend Adam Kurtz, who's done a couple of books, we did a pin with him. He's one of our favorite shop friends. He was in the shop today. And what did he say? He said that it was like one less pencil to lose. Yeah. Or something to that extent. <laughs> exactly and I thought that was really said. funny. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to carry a red and a graphic. Yeah. Which is what I like about it. I'm a pretty like minimalist pencil user. I don't carry a huge pencil case with me every day. Um, I carry one, maybe two pencils in like a tiny sharpener. One less pencil to use. a really good day. One less pencil to, to, lose. to lose would be an amazing, like, yeah. like, mo- like slogan to print on the side of it. Like, I have to pressure twice the speed. <laughs> we should. We'll put it on the box. Yeah. yeah or we should, do, we should like quote Adam as saying that we should do like endorsements like you have on a book. Yeah. Like on a pencil box. Oh, with a um, creepy picture of yeah, him. Yeah. Mike would do one for us too. We could, we could get a few other people. Yeah. There's <laughs> just a picture of Adam. It says one less pencil. <laughs> He's a good sport. I think you would support that. I think you would. Um, I would like to yeah, uh, but... to revisit the shorthandy and just say that's an amazing name. Yeah, we have the box. It's <laughs> one our... of the best that we've had. It's yeah. one of the best that we've had. We had them for like a good week. Do you have one? I don't even know that I, I have no, one. We, I remember I bought you one from our collection. Oh, you did. You bought me one. Which you sh- it was but it weird. was before. Like, it was when I was still new. You were very new. Yeah. And I was like, I got you this. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I think they sold out on a day that I wasn't there or something. Yeah. So um, I made sure. I wasn't sure if I could just, like, mark it out for you. So I made sure that you got one. Because that's one of the best ones we've had. That's a good one. We have the box still. The, the box was really slim and really cute. It only holds six pencils. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, the, yeah, the, we, we spent a lot of time convincing uh, Karen Dash, like, that we could sell this. Um, Yeah. And part of the success of that was the, um, Milan graphite and highlighter combo. Yeah. And how Mm. well loved that pencil was, how we sold out of it, but how, like, ultimately it could be so much better if the pigment was nicer. Yeah. Graphite wasn't as scratchy. We're like. Like, we saw people love this product, like the idea, but it's so great, but it could be so much better. So we spent a lot of time just, like, talking about that. I'm so fascinated with your, um, I guess, like, dialogue with pencil manufacturers like that because, you know, to me, and I don't, you know, sell pencils, so I don't spend a whole lot of time trying to get in touch with people, but, like, the actual manufacturers are such a, like, like, black box. Like, I, I just... Like, I wouldn't even know mm-hmm. where to start trying to get a hold of somebody at Musgrave or at, at Karandash or something like that. How how does this work? Like, when, you, when you're when you like, hey, we have an idea for a pencil. And I know with the Bugle, it didn't quite work like this. But, like, with the editor, um, how does the back and forth work with them on that? Like, you're like, we think we can sell this. And they're like, no, we can't make this. Or, yeah. I'm, I think that's... a lot of it was just, you know, like, building a relationship with them. Yeah. Like, we... 
we definitely didn't want to overstep anything, and we, we certainly don't want to do that right now. Um, we we're, we're very close with our U.S. distributors. Um, we've built a really lovely relationship with, with all the team of their, their distribution company. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've spent a pretty significant amount of personal time, like FaceTime, with some of the, the higher staff members of, of Karen Dash. Um, and just making sure that they they know we appreciate them, that we believe in the history and like the reason behind these things, that we're not just retelling them for the sake of having another pencil to retell, that we Yeah. Are like the you know, the advocate of this like specific thing. So that the relationship cultivation is really important. Yeah. 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 Definitely took some time. Um it, it yeah. The oh how far we've come since when I first emailed all these people. Yeah. Like from my apartment, I was like, "Hey, I'm opening a pencil shop," and they're like, "Okay, like, yeah, I don't understand it, but you're paying <laughs> us, so we'll sell you the pencils." Yeah. Um, it's it's amazing how far we've come, and I think it I think it like helps that Caitlin and I have made a real effort to like to like ask questions and to actually like go out and meet the meet a lot of these people and to like yeah and to like have them in our shop and show them around and like tell them all the stories. It's it's and to inquire about things that we want to know it's um right. yeah it's it's taken some time but the, i mean um, i think a lot of it has to do with the fact the success of the store isn't just based on on caroline's success like a lot of it is caroline's success it's the success of sharing the stories of these other businesses and i think they really appreciate that yeah yeah they yeah and i think like and where we use social media very effectively and have an audience that I think is really different than a lot of these companies kind of have on their own. So I think that helps yeah. too, is that, um, we kind of give them like a little bit of a cool factor, I guess. <laughs> We're bringing it back. <laughs> yeah. Bringing it back. Some like weird young girl selling pencils in New York. It's like, it's a funny story <laughs> to a lot of people. Um, if you boil it down to just that, mm-hmm. but. I guess I could expound upon that just like a little bit more from the manufacturing perspective. Sure. Because we couldn't just, like, say, I mean, we obviously couldn't just go up to a company and be like, make these for us. Yeah. It was, like, at least a little bit interesting from the perspective of Karen Dash was the how. Um, yeah. The size. Completely. Like, core size and things like that. Like, mm. one of my favorite things that I learned when we went to their factory was their pencil cores have a point, was it, like, point zero zero one mm-hmm. of a millimeter um, size, um like room for error, yeah. the size of the core. Hmm. So like that's how specifically perfect they are with the size of their cores with their pencils. So if you can imagine like they have a specific recipe for um, the colored pencil that goes into it for the specific color, the specific type of colored pencil that went into this pencil. And they also have a specific recipe for the core of the graphite. And it's also like a special length because it goes in this pencil. So it is like a really a very incredibly custom job. Yeah, it really um, was. And, and when that, when that pencil first arrived, I was furious, like very upset because it didn't feel the way that I expected it to. The graphite part didn't. It felt much harder than I expected upon, like, first use. Yeah. Um, and once we sharpened it, like, off of that, like, kind of, like, the factory, factory sharpen, belt. yeah, it grew on me. But then the explanation that I received for that that makes complete sense the more that I think about it is that they had to make those cores thicker than usual in order to match the size of the red ones. Um, oh. And so... 
like the contact on the paper is a lot different because it's it's a little bit thicker. Yeah. Um, and so it just feels different. It just feels really different than what that that pencil feels like in a different size and a different body. Yeah. Um, so just fairly from a man, like at least in our perspective from a manufacturing standpoint, this is incredible. Yeah. Like the 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 kind of engineering that they put into this and like they have seasons that they make pencils in too so it was like we had just had to be timed a certain yeah, way no, they, they were making this kind and this kind and they could they stuff. really have like a month where they mm-hmm. make hb cores for the entire year and that's mm-hmm. it that's fascinating um huh yeah it's like it, it's, oh, it's yeah. 2b season my favorite time of year yeah <laughs> no exactly that's like actually what it is yeah um yeah it's really weird but yeah, and um, then yeah like the different things with the yeah a lot more went into it than we expected. That's for sure. It was we yeah. There was a huge learning curve involved with doing this like truly collaborative pencil. Yeah, well, I'm a big fan. I've I've been using it all day. So it's and 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 you're right. I definitely felt like when I first tried it off the factory sharpen, I was like this this feels weird. And then I wore that down a little bit and resharpened, and then it was, um, yeah, and then it was fine. It's like oddly a little better after you sharpen yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh crap! I've been muted for like ten minutes. You have. <laughs> I'm sorry. So welcome back. You guys have um, you know, several different pencils and an eraser and a pencil case and some notebooks, that, and a pencil extender that are CW branded. So what's mm-hmm. next? Like a sharpener. Oh, that would be nice. Like a classroom yeah. friendly and yeah. a better yellow. What? Ooh. Oh please, yes. Yeah, their their yellow is a little too banana. See, you kept yeah. me from buying one. I really wanted one in that yellow until you told me that. I'm so sorry. No, no, that's good. Yeah, I, mean, I have nothing a lot of against. Them. It's not a great friendly. It's, it's not a great like, yellow. It's not the CW yellow, especially because there's so many good yellows. I yeah. Let's not go there. Yeah, um, other things. I think we're still like we really really love the Viking cases. The, the Viking leather cases are were like a good find for us. Yeah. yeah. But I think we're still in search of the like good uh, flat open like uh, elastic loop yeah. case. That's something we still want. Well, we make. had it. We until did. Until we even had samples. We had and it, then yeah. We com- had a manufacturer uh-huh. and we think we don't we don't even really know we had a, mm. a company that we picked out to make cases for us and they um we were ghosted <laughs> <laughs> yes yes um something happened and we weren't sure if it was business or personal or because it was a family business um we don't we don't know what happened yeah but we lost some money in zippers <laughs> yeah i had like spent so much time sourcing the right zippers because that's very important to me zippers are important <laughs> yeah um um but that's i think still a thing that we'd like to see happen is yeah. i think i think with pencil cases often there's they're sized for pens they're just short so we're i think yeah. we can still we still have ideas for innovation in in, in that area, um, as far as pencils go, I mean, I think it's more fun for us to surprise you guys with yeah. the things yeah. that we have. We definitely have some things we're working on that you'll yeah. see in the next month or two, yeah. um, for sure. Um, nothing, like, super innovative, but definitely things that you're going to be like, oh, wow, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. We've got some fun things. Have- I- yeah. God, we were, you were kind of talking about it earlier. It's, it's, like, not necessarily, like 
coming into the sphere and innovating it, it's like with the bugle was just taking something that exists and like making it feel special. Yeah, like making it better or more fun or just like yeah. I I don't know. I think so it's a, even it, reminding people. Of things. Yeah, it's yeah exactly reminding people that things in exist. the stationary world where people will just like you know make a scout book with their logo or you know, sell a private label Musgrave or something like that. I think that when you can change the physical properties of it, instead of just like the aesthetics, like you have been. Instead of just a logo. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a huge, a huge thing. Yeah. 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 We're very lucky to have a lot of people on our side now, so we can make some things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But can you imagine if we had a custom marbled pencil from the trash? Oh my God. How many do you think they'd have to make? um 100,000 probably like 100,000 they would make us commit to like so many (laughs) we would have to file there just to like take a video of this for instagram that's one of our like one of our favorite little factoids is that the the marble pencils from natrage are hand marbled but they are very secretive about the marbling process yeah um, they're very much like oh come here and we'll show you but like we can't tell you about we it won't, yeah. won't tell you. <laughs> it's very weird it's not the same marbling process that the blackwing 205s use definitely not the same <laughs> cool well last question um before we'll we'll let you go since it's it's definitely late over there on the east coast um uh when when when's the next pencil edition or uh, pencil box edition coming out and is there would you be willing to Give us any sort of hints or sneak peeks or anything like that. And if you don't, that's fine too. But I figured I well, might as well ask. It ships June 1st. Cool. Yeah. Um, so everybody who's signed up will get an email notification. Um, if you're a first-time subscriber, you'll get a notification that you're being billed for the second time around. Um, if you're a new subscriber or you know just if you're subscribed in general you get a notification the day that it ships with the tracking number Hmm. they all ship on the same day um i'm so excited about this this is a really good box it's really good this is a really good box. a lot of surprises the first box we had a Hmm. much shorter time to put together um because we announced it God, in like the beginning of February, February. and we shipped it out the 1st of March. So we had to assemble, we had to announce and assemble in February. Um, So we had like a month to do what is, you know, what really is three months worth of work. Um, So this box, we were fortunate to have, you know, the full quarter to really work on and really curate. Um, and we've gone through some interesting changes, and where it's landed is really exciting. Yeah, some of the awesome. things in this box are things that were really hard for us to get. That <laughs> yeah. actually took three months to like track down yeah. and convince someone yeah. to send us. We're, we're <laughs> fortunate that we have um, That's awesome. willing distributors. Yeah, yeah. and faraway places. <laughs> cool. Well, um, That's thank you both for, for joining us. Um, I'll, I'll wrap it up because we, we have a a long podcast episode or a long episode just full of good stuff um caitlin where can people find you on the internet oh people can find me mostly on cw pencil enterprise on instagram <laughs> but i also have my own instagram at kate.elgin i'm never on twitter don't find me there <laughs> and caroline how about how about you 
Um, I don't have my own anything. Um, so you can find me on CW Pencil Enterprise Instagram, on Twitter at CW Pencils, which I have been getting better at, I think. I gained 57 followers in the past like five days, so I'm pretty proud about that. <laughs> the Twitter um, is officially Caroline. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And of course, cwpencils.com to find Pencil Goodness and their blog, which is pretty fantastic. I guess. Um, I guess yeah. there's stuff there. Yeah. Johnny, where can people find you on the internet? Um, you could find me at pencilrevolution.com, on Twitter at Pencilution sometimes, and on Instagram very often at my name. Cool. And uh, I, t- Tim has uh, Tim has left us. He is, I'm assuming, falling, falling asleep in his chair. No, not really. Uh, he had to get to bed, so he <laughs> he ducked out a little early. Um, he is at, at Tim Wassum on Twitter and at Timothy Wassum on Instagram. And I am Andy Welfley. I am at A Welfley on Twitter, at Woodclinched. Uh, well, I never really tweet there, so you can probably ignore that one at woodclinched.com. Um, and uh, thank you, ladies, so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Um, taking time out of your day to be here. Uh, find this episode. Yes. Yay! At episode, uh, this is episode seventy-three, erasable.us slash seventy-three, um, or you can find us on your friendly local uh, podcast directory. Find us on the internet at erasable.us or our Facebook group, which is sixteen hundred members strong and growing. Uh, it's an amazing community. That is facebook.com/groups/erasable. So, uh, everybody, have a good night, and we will talk to you soon. The intro music for the Erasable Podcast is graciously provided by This Mountain, a collaborative folk rock band from Johnson City, Tennessee. You can check out their music at www.thismountainband.com. Gaze catches me with one